Boys in the Huddle Podcast. It's Ricky, Trey, and Doe. We're back for another episode. What's going on, fellas? What's good? Ain't nothing, man. We've got Dante back in the building, and we got the fourth member at this point, clearly, is Coach Harrigan. What's going on? <laughs> yes, sir. Y'all, how did y'all yeah. do tonight? Y'all had a game, right? It was a Camden High game? Yeah, yeah, we had a game. We uh, We beat Seneca. We are fifteen and one, mm. ranked number twenty in the country right now. Number Ooh. one in New Jersey. Number twenty in the country. Mm. Yes, yeah. sir. So y'all need it's to play deal. LeBron's son's team and Master P's son team. Y'all get to play them or what? Um, no, you know it's still like uh, state, you know, state regular. You know, schedules already set and things like that. But um, next week we play in the Metro Classic, so we play against Gil St. Bernard. They play after us. Um, Who's there? Who they play? LeBron's team? Yeah, yeah, team? Sierra Canyon. Yeah, okay. yeah, that's in New Jersey, out in Toms River North. So okay, um, was next week? That's next weekend. Next weekend, yeah. Tickets are sold out. I think they were like thirty-five dollars a clip, Damn. but they are sold out. It's going to be a great event. If I, if I come up, you can't get me in. What's going on? I mean, we are we live? <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk about it after. We'll talk about it after. <laughs> no, that's what's, that's what's up, man. I remember hearing, uh, I think it was a Sixers game that Van Gundy was covering. Yeah, I mean, he, he came to our practice. He was, yeah, he was he was talking about he was talking more about uh, uh, Camden than the Sixers. <laughs> it was, funny. was he? Damn. Yeah, he knew. He went to the practice and he was he was talking about players on the team and coaches and and he was also talking about some of the upcoming games and mentioned uh at the game that jason just mentioned with uh mm. the lebron son so now nah, it was good it was good coverage it was a good look yeah yeah that was that was really good to uh hear he uh obviously has a relationship with rick Brunson. he played for him at some point so coach stopped by practice stayed for the whole practice gave kids some good feedback gave coaches some good feedback Oh, that's that right. Rick Brunson is is the head coach at at Camden, right? Yeah. Yeah, you might want to switch him with his former teammate at Temple because you're killing us over there, Blue. You're killing <laughs> us, Aaron McKee. What's going on? It's his first year, man. Give him some time. Give him some time. I don't know, man. There's some talent on that team, in my opinion, and they started out well. I don't know what the hell is going on. Well, they got in the conference play. You know, this is tough. So. Um, I'm sure. I'm sure he's going to do a good job, though. I hope so, but I'll keep you posted. I might uh make my way on up there for this. LeBron mm-hmm. might be in the building. I might. I might get my chance. <laughs> chance at what? Yeah, have a nice little talk with him. Uh, Can I autograph? have a conversation? Oh, no, yeah. no, 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 no. I've never got an autograph in my life. I just want a nice little one-on-one. <laughs> This might be my chance. I keep, <laughs> I keep you posted. Well, you no, got the smoke from Stephen A. Relax. That wasn't the time. A. That wasn't the time or place. That wasn't the time. <laughs> <of place. laughs> but let's let's get this thing going, man. Awesome to hear about the school, Camden High. You want the high? You got the high. They still doing that. They still doing that chant. Yes, sir. We played on ESPN. We played on ESPN a few weeks ago up at uh, Springfield, Massachusetts. We beat uh, Rancho Christian. They was ranked like, you know, like number fifteen in the country. They got the number one player in the country. We beat them. 
That's, uh, yeah. that's the first time we got that. Yeah, 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 that was a good look for us. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Camden always travels, so we had a nice crowd up there. And they they, let been tra- they just started traveling again. Let's keep it real. They weren't traveling the past few years, so they getting, they getting things I mean, back in order, but they weren't traveling before. There was a nice they little break. Stay, there was a nice little they break. They always travel, but I mean, when the success is there, then the travel right. sounds better. You can't it. get the right. chance if you ain't winning. <laughs> right, right. I remember, what was it? Um, Right after kind of we graduated was Will and Ball versus Camden, and Will and Ball should have definitely won that damn game. Some of our listeners was in that game. You know what I'm talking Listen. about. And I was there. Y'all know which one I'm talking about, oh, right? Yeah, I think they played at like Eastern or something yep. like that. Yeah, they played at Eastern. That was mm-hmm. at that game. Choo Choo, Clinton, and they had oh, the somebody had some free throws. And they had um, what was the dude Joe was like the best player at the time, the kid Joe. Yeah, I forget his yeah. last name, but Willem Brawl should have definitely won that game. It was, and I'm gonna keep it funky. We from Willem Brawl. It was a lot of times we played Camden teams, Camden or Woodrow. That we were way better than, and we we would never win. I wonder. I wonder why. I, I don't know. <laughs> but there was a theme at one time. But we could, we could move on. I digress. Shout out to William <laughs> Bro and Camden, South Jersey. But the Super yeah, Bowl. But no, that's what's up. That's what's up. Indeed, the Super Bowl just took place. Um, happy for Andy Reid for getting that ring. Long overdue. He's a great coach, and now he's got the monkey off of his back. So, th- what did you guys think of the game? I mean, I thought it was a good game. Um, I thought San Francisco had a great chance. I was rooting for Andy. Um, San Francisco seemed like they just squandered a great opportunity. Um, and, you know, let people say it. They're a great running team, and you got the ball. Seven minutes left. Do what you do best. Do what you do best. I didn't get that. Even Aikman was like, oh, you know, San Francisco is just going to run the ball down their throat. And it was just pass after pass. And I was cool with it because it allowed Andy to get his chance. But I thought he was done. I was like, it's another blown chance by Andy Reid. And Kyle Shanahan just showed who he is. Like, what the hell? Yeah, I don't I don't know why. Uh, what's his name? Devo Samuel. He, I don't think he got you the couldn't ball stop him in the second half. Right, you couldn't like stop him. Why not they, give him another feature? You couldn't stop yeah, the nah, guy. I didn't. Right, right. It said Kyle I Shanahan has been outscored forty to nothing in the fourth quarter in his last two Super Bowl appearances. Like what? I saw that. Like, dog, you didn't learn from that traumatizing experience against the Patriots. Fucking run the ball, I mean, especially I, I, now. You're a running team. Your team is built off of the run. Like, that shit was crazy. At the same time, I think, you know, he's shown, like, you know, he, he can put together. Well, first he was offensive coordinator, now he's the head coach. So he can put together teams. He can get there. He's the new Andy you know, Reid. <laughs> right. Which, and, and Andy, you know, Andy is a, is a guy who, like, you know, Philly was, like, happy to get rid of and. You know, Nigga, relax. Oh. Nobody was happy to get rid of him. Be respectful. You, t- 
Yo, you told me that Chip Kelly was a genius, and you were so happy that y'all love to remember what I said. I don't remember ever saying that. I did not ever. I didn't even watch. I don't even watch college football to say that he's a genius. So I did not say that. No, I did not say that. The Eagles, and he started putting five wide receivers on one side of the field. I never said that he was a genius. I didn't know anything about him to say that. Relax. Okay. This nigga's trying well, to put words in to, my mouth. Shout out to, <laughs> <laughs> shout out to crazy. Right. Yeah, man. Shout, shout, shout out to Big Red, man. I was happy he uh He was he genuinely happy. I never seen him act like that. I never seen him that happy. I mean, he did say he's happy to go to the White House. Won't hold that against him. He's been a proponent of the black quarterback. Started with McNabb. Turn Mike Vick's career around. And are we we're gonna classify Mahomes in the court category. I'm just asking. Is he is he in the category? He's one of us? Are we we're taking him in? Yeah, he's a black quarterback. <laughs> he's a black quarterback. What he, you trying to get at, man? I'm just waiting <laughs> for him to come up with the uh the Kabul Asian shit or something. <laughs> I'm just waiting for him to come up with, with some reason to say he doesn't see color or he doesn't view himself as African-American because I, I think that's coming sooner or later. But if you guys want to embrace him, we can embrace him. Congratulations. I think that makes him with the third black quarterback to win the Super Bowl, which is crazy when you really think about it. I think we'll see that number increase over the next few years with a lot of the young crop of black quarterbacks that we have. Um, but yeah, he's technically the third. Yeah. Doug Williams, um, Russell Wilson, and now Patrick Mahomes. So shout out to the chiefs. Definitely glad big red got his ring, but I don't want you to get any more. It's our time. We're coming back. <laughs> Eagles. <laughs> But one uh, presence that we saw at the Super Bowl was Mr. Sean Carter, along with Beyonce and Baby Blue is what we saw. Now, this is an extension or a continuation of his partnership with the NFL. He's now in charge of the musical acts at the halftime show. Um... Real quick thoughts on on the halftime show. What'd you what'd you guys think about that? Shakira and J Lo. I, I thought it was entertaining. I thought it was a good show. I didn't know any of those damn songs outside of the really, really popular ones, but I thought it was a yeah. very good performance. Like they did a good job. Yeah, I mean I thought it was cool. I respected that they tried to keep it I guess authentic to Miami culture, even though JLo's not from Miami, but they tried to um, keep it within the the Latin spirit. Yeah, I get it. I mean, it, I, I thought I thought it was cool. It was entertaining. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what else he could have did with it. He definitely wasn't going to have like Trick Daddy or Trina. <laughs> I, I thought but. we were going to get that type of surprise—a Rick Ross appearance, one of those Miami, even a Pitbull, maybe just someone from the hip-hop community um they did yeah. from what i hear though cardi b was asked to be there and she she rejected the invitation so you said you see they still did the 
I like it like that portion, but they just used. Is that the Bad Bunny guy? Is that who that was? Is that the guy who was doing the Spanish rapping? I, I hear think, his name all the time. I, I, I think so. Okay. I think I think so. So they asked her to be a part of it, but she said, "No, I'm I'm still with Cap. I don't want nothing to do with that." Personally, I applaud her for being steadfast in her stance, um, which I don't, I don't, some people have. I don't, I don't understand that though. I don't understand that. Though. Didn't she perform last year in like the pre Super Bowl stuff? She performed at the Fanatics. Um, I don't think that was a Super Bowl event though, because I think they said this year was the first Fanatics Super Bowl party. She was at a Fanatics yeah. party. I don't know if that was the NBA. All Star Weekend. I don't think that was NFL. So okay, my yeah. bad. You might be right. Yeah, I mean, like I said, she's staying strong in her stance, and we've seen others that haven't. Most notably, Mr. Sean Carter. Um, any issue with the Carters being at the game? For one any issue with them not standing during the anthem because I thought we were past kneeling. Though technically, yes, they didn't kneel, but y'all get it. Any any issue there? We'll just start there. I saw, I saw no issue with it. I mean, I feel like when he says being past kneeling, it's, um, I, I took it as we we're past uh, just kneeling. Like, that's not be the only thing that we do um but then at the same time everybody has an opportunity to express themselves so they chose to uh sit but um as far as them being at the game obviously you know he has a partnership with the nfl now so i understand why he's there um doesn't necessarily mean sitting- he had to be but yeah um, them sitting, uh, I mean, I don't know if that was exclusive to the NFL or if, if wherever they're at at any given point, they are going to take that stand, um, regardless if it's NFL or not. So I'm not really sure. I'm, I, I, has, has there been any type of um, interview or has anybody asked him about that, sitting down, why he chose to sit? You know he doesn't just take a mic in his face. If you want to talk to Jay-Z, it's going to have to be months in advance, most likely. So I haven't heard anything from him. I know Kaepernick responded via social media, basically saying, I thought we were past kneeling, which I don't like the back and forth between those two guys for the public to consume because you're allowing the other side and other groups of people to use that against everybody. But it is what it is. Um, I thought it was interesting that they chose not to stand. And I said on previous podcasts, I used to sit during the anthem just cause like I didn't pay it no mind. It wasn't any stance against the anthem or the flag or anything like that. But now if you don't stand and I've been at sporting events since this whole thing has begun and you feel like you got to do the shit or people are going to take it a certain way. I can remember being at a Falcons-Cowboys game in Atlanta, and I didn't stand just because I just didn't feel like getting up. And people were looking at me like I just sliced a five-year-old's throat. Like, it was crazy. I'm like, yo, I'm not, this ain't even nothing about that. I just don't feel like getting up right now. I'm in the box. I'm chilling, eating my lamb chops. I don't feel like getting up. 
But now it's like you got to do it or people perceive, especially if you're African-American, perceive that you're taking some sort of stance. Not always the case. So who knows if he was doing that intentionally? Do y'all think it was intentional? Or was it really just nonchalant, not even a thing? Yeah, I think it was calculated. I mean, I think, I, I don't, yeah, I think I think he I think he had a purpose and why he did it, and maybe we'll get an explanation as 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 to why he did it. But I also, to get back to what you were saying, um, getting 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 past kneeling, I don't think he ever meant in that message to stop kneeling. I think he meant now that where are we going to advance the conversation beyond just kneeling? Like how are we going to ultimately help people? you know, for a lot of those social justice causes, you know, or is the conversation just about kneeling? Because what does that do at the end of the day to help people? That was what I took from his message. Yeah, and we still um, don't clearly know what he's doing to help people, but we can get into that as we move forward. The thing that bothers me the most is the fact that just a year ago, Jay-Z was reaching out to artists proactively telling them not to participate. Less than six months later, he's now has this partnership with the NFL. I think that's something that's bothered, bothered a lot of people, and he's taken a lot of flack from this. Even Jamel Hill recently came out and said, everything that Jay-Z wants to do, he didn't need the NFL to do it. So why stand next to them? after your brother that you said you were standing up for in the past has been blackballed the way he has. So Jay-Z, if you want to put on concerts and donate that to organizations to help the community, you didn't need the NFL to do that. So what is really behind this? And then I started to think after I read the New York Times article that came out last weekend. Jay-Z is just a sensitive, spiteful motherfucker. And Dante, you read the article, and it just, a light bulb went off to me when he started talking about when he was asked to do the halftime show years ago. And they asked him, well, if you do it, can you get Rihanna and Kanye to come out with you when you do run this town? And he was offended by that. Did you catch that part, Dante? He was offended that they would ask him if he can get these other artists because if it's just you, nigga, you're not good enough. You think they asked his wife if he if she can get certain artists to come out with her? You think they would ask Kanye if, hey, if you do it, can you get Jay-Z? I think Jay-Z felt yeah. slighted by that shit. And I think that's the root of his whole stance against him. I don't think it had anything to do with Kaepernick ever. I think he used that to get back at the NFL. He could use that platform and that plight to piggyback and say, fuck them niggas because they didn't want to play with me. And I started thinking about when this kind of happened to Jay-Z in the past. Think about it. Where did the Nas beef start from? Do y'all remember? No, 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 no. Started way before that. 
started way before that. Jay-Z did the Dead Presidents video. Clearly sampled Nas's voice on Dead Presidents. He had Biggie in the video. He had HZ in the video, amongst a few others. Y'all remember that video? It was playing Monopoly yeah. with Real Money. Right. He wanted Nas to come and be in the video. This was before everybody was friends. Nas didn't want nothing to do with that shit. Always gave hold the cold shoulder. Tried to do a record with Nas multiple times. Nas gave him the cold shoulder. Like, nah, nigga, this is not that type of party. I'm good. Continuously, what does Jay-Z in return do? From what we know, he slept with his then-girlfriend and, and baby mother. To be spiteful, in my opinion. Okay, so how, so how does him... How does the partnership with the NFL... I'm getting... I, I kind of alluded to already, but that's what I'm getting to. We've seen a track record of spite. I think the simple fact that the NFL didn't want just Jay-Z for a halftime show, he felt slighted. And then he said he turned them down. But if you read that New York Times article, it bothered him that they asked for Rihanna and Kanye to be a part of it with him if they were going to do it with him. Yeah, but... On that part, I think he was saying, I, I interpreted it a little, a little differently. I think he said he was offended that they approached him that he could only do the halftime show if he, as long as he would bring Kanye West and Rihanna right. with him. Right. But do you think they would ask Beyonce that? Do you think they would tell her, oh, we only want to do this with you if you can get such and such? I don't even think they would tell Kanye that. If they felt he yeah, was an acceptable it, act. Yeah, but Beyonce he, he used the Kaepernick platform to tell other artists not to perform there. He was using he was piggybacking off the Kaepernick plight to now say we're against them. When you were actually in conversations about doing the show, but because they didn't want just you, you had a problem with that. And again, we're just looking at the track record of Jay Z being spiteful when people didn't want to play with him. Nas didn't want to play with him. So he gets back at him by sleeping with his baby mother, and then he makes the takeover record. Now they tried to say, oh, Memphis Bleak said something about Nas, and I don't think Nas had ever said anything to a Memphis Bleak, did he? No, Memphis Bleak said something, and then Nas right. made a little, um, he made a, he, he had a rap, and they did come at them. They said he was like, you know, um, something about Philly going through freeway and then something about beans and he mentioned all of them. This is before the takeover? Like, yeah, that was before takeover. It was a little quick little shot. He took it though. But we see what, what this was already a, a issue between the different camps based on Nas not wanting to play with Jay-Z. So then we get the takeover record when Jay-Z thought that Nas was vulnerable and was kind of on his way out. He had just dropped the Nostradamus, which, Dante, I know you're a fan of that record, but most people weren't. Great album, man. <laughs> I don't understand the, the backlash. Anyway, go ahead. Great it album. wasn't as bad as people tried to proclaim, absolutely. But Nas was kind of getting some bad press about the album and his skills diminishing, so then TakeOver comes out of nowhere. Nobody knew where that came from at the time. Nas eventually comes back with Ether and 
Not a lot of people bounce back, but Jay-Z was still able to kind of dodge that bullet and ends up befriending Nas because they both matured. And now Nas is probably thinking this is probably a good business decision for me to, to fuck with, dude. Another example. Working with R. Kelly. I think that was Jay-Z's way of getting back at Dame for taking Aaliyah. I don't know how privy you all are to this, but Jay-Z also was pursuing Aaliyah. There's plenty of pictures out there of them together. And Jay-Z has never done a tribute record for anyone except Aaliyah. I believe him working with R. Kelly was his spiteful way of getting back at her, maybe more so than even Dane. I think I think Dame alluded to them two chasing after Aaliyah before. I know I've heard that somewhere. But it's I'm, a I'm, fact. I'm following. Everybody you. knows it. Yeah. When Jay yeah. started messing with Beyonce, they, it was known fact that she wasn't to go around Dame Dash. On top of that, Rachel Roy, who some believe is Becky with the good hair, was an intern with Rockefeller, and apparently they were both pursuing her. As we know, Dame Dash ended up marrying her and having kids with her. The things that he's done to Dame, I don't think has anything to do with business. I think it's spiteful activities out of those interactions and various relationships that Jay-Z wanted to get back at him for. So I'm saying what I'm trying to allude to is we have a pattern of Jay-Z being spiteful and a sensitive individual lashing out in his way of getting back at these people. And I think that's all he did in this NFL situation because he didn't like the fact that they didn't want to play with him initially. He wasn't good enough. But now Meek Mill introduces him to Robert Kraft and Michael Rubin and all these guys, and, oh, now they want to play with me. Now they want they see my value. Okay, yeah, I work with you guys. I wasn't good enough before, but now y'all niggas need me, right? Okay, yeah, I'll play with y'all. I don't think it had anything to do with Kaepernick before. I don't think that for Jay-Z to get in bed with the NFL and his stance against the NFL for that time period, I honestly don't think it ever had anything to do with the blackballing of Colin Kaepernick. It was more so the fact that they semi-blackballed him because they said he wasn't good enough. Hmm. That's my hypotenuse. So, I think all the history about him being spiteful <laughs> and all of that, I think, I think as far as the music and all that shit you would talk about, there's probably some truth there. I don't, I don't know if it fully connects to the NFL thing, but I do think the NFL thing with Jay Z is all business. Um, but what did he try to? Him, what did he try to disguise it as? I get. Did he? Did he? I, I, I get. I get to okay. that. I think. I think. I think for me, his, his thing with the NFL, two things. I think it's all business. I think. I think everything that holds does for the most part always has an economic incentive 
Um, I think that there's probably other reasons that we don't know for his involvement with the NFL. Now, I think him messaging his partnership with the NFL was a little funky, right? I think, you know, you have him doing social activism before he joined the NFL and then him having a press conference where the conversation was more about activism and, and his social justice partnership and shit we really don't still fully understand what he's doing and less about, you know, the business deal that Rock Nation has with the NFL. So you could say it's smoke and mirrors. And real quick, Dr. in the standpoint. New York Times article, it says exactly they still refuse to discuss the details of the partnership. Why? Any any it, partnership or deal that's that's announced publicly, we typically know the terms. Till this day, they still refuse to say what it is. Why is that? Right, I, and there's and I don't got an answer for that. Other than the 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 other side of that would be it's a private business, and how much information does the general public know about any business deal? that the NFL does. But then why have a press conference? Exactly. Why announce it and have a press it? conference? Exactly. And the reason you have and the reason you have a press conference about it, I'm pretty sure that was a concession. If I had to guess it was probably a concession in a deal that J C had to do because it helps at least the I think the idea was to help improve the NFL's image, especially amongst black people by having Jay-Z next to you. Um, that's what I think. But if, if the one thing I will say about the whole whole NFL thing, if he would have just came out and said, look, I'm in business with them. And I'm also going to do this, which is like social activism and all that, like not downplay the business side of it. I think the message would have been, he would have still got some criticism, but I think it would have been less because at the end of the day, you can't hate on somebody that's trying to trying to do business. At least I don't. Um, but he seems to run away from that with the NFL because I think he is a little fearful of the criticism from from his from his from his loyal fan base of black people. Well, that's because he was that's so boisterous saying that he was against the NFL. He was on his soapbox telling everybody not to participate. Not to involve themselves. So then, now that they want to play with you, now that they're telling you that you're good enough, everything is okay. Less than six months later. It's wrong. And I think we all in the black community hold Jay-Z to this high standard. And they allow him to get away with stuff. But in this situation, he's wrong. And it's just as simple as that. And I think, we again, we see a pattern of how he's behaved when he's felt, felt slighted. He is going to try to get back at you in some way, shape, or form. And my whole argument is he wanted to get back at the NFL for telling him he wasn't good enough by himself. You really think about it, if Jay-Z does a halftime show at the Super Bowl by himself, what, he got maybe three or four songs the masses will know? Probably hard not life, big pimping, New York with Alicia Keys, and that may really be where it stops. So yeah, nigga, you gonna need some people to help you out at a Super Bowl show. 
I don't think the masses know all the songs that we love. Can y'all name some other songs where New York was his number one, first number one single, but 20 years into his damn career? I'm embellishing, but I mean, it took a long time for him to get a, a number one single. So I think he felt slighted by that shit. And he's wrong. <laughs> like the, what you're doing right now, the way you dealt with this, and I think even dating back to you piggybacking off of Kaepernick to get back at someone for saying you weren't good enough. He's been wrong from the beginning. That doesn't mean both can't be true. It can't. It doesn't mean that he can't want to be a philanthropist and give back to his community. Yeah, he wants to do those things. But he's also a sensitive, spiteful motherfucker. And we've seen it time and time again. So black people if, just got to wake up. The nigga can be wrong. If, um, if his, we don't know his end goal, but let's like guess for a second. If, if one of his end goals or objectives with the NFL is to eventually become an owner of an NFL team, how do you, how do you view this whole thing? Would you, would that be something you, could celebrate, you think? Would we say that he helped sacrifice Kaepernick to get there? And I'm not saying that maybe he's a sac that that's a sacrifice worth taking. Would we would we believe that he kind of sacrificed Kaepernick to get there? So I'm just trying to see. So you're saying, okay, I get. I'm. I'm let's just say I, I'm following you with that. Maybe um, he was willing. I mean, we. I don't have the timeline, but let's say he was willing to do the Super Bowl concert, but they did not adhere. Well, they they didn't basically treat him the right way. So he was, you know, he felt slighted by that, and that is when you you say that he decided to um, join that movement of not performing at the Super Bowl. Okay, let's say that that part is true. Um, after that, for him joining uh, and partnering with the NFL and trying to create initiatives, is he wrong for that still? Or is it just the fact that like he felt slighted initially? Because let's say he did feel slighted. And he was angry at the NFL, so then he decided to join the Kaepernick thing. I get that. That's a little opportunist. Not a little. That's opportunist right. type thing. Um, but then moving forward, if you decide to partner with the NFL and you want to... But Jason, to Jamel Hill's point, why couldn't he have done all of these things without them? Did he need them to well, do we any of this stuff? Well, like you said, we don't know. We don't know all the things that he's going to do with them. As we know, this year there were four concerts. The proceeds were supposed to go to organizations to help inner city communities, urban communities. The first concert they had, they donated the money to an organization that had a program that encouraged African American kids to cut off their dreadlocks and cornrows. Got a lot of flack for that. Now, if your whole initiative is just to throw concert and donate the proceeds to organizations, and that's really all we really know, 
outside of now the power that the NFL has given him. This is this is all about business and power, as Dante said. Now they want to play with me, and I get to pick the Super Bowl acts. Now they want to play with me, and I have. Uh, I'm in charge of the funds that the player coalition NFL brings in, and I have power over where that where those funds go. That that's what we know is these concerts donating proceeds. Could Jay Z have done that without the NFL? Yes, absolutely. They got. Do you think that's where it stops at? From from all we've been told, and again, they refuse to really give us all the details. And if you're doing this to help the community, it should be an outline of what is taking place that you're saying you're going to help us with. If you're helping the community and we're the community, why wouldn't we get the details? Why are we supposed to just wait and see? And everybody's like, oh, just this is Jay-Z. We have to wait and see. Really? You say you're doing this for the community. Why wouldn't we know what that is? And and I I think this whole thing. So backtracking to when he when him and the NFL didn't agree for the for the halftime show. I think everything about this is business. I think that was a negotiation. I think at that point you got an, an entity that's not in the music industry trying to dictate what your value is. She's telling you. But you are they wrong? Hold on, us. hold on, Dante. Are they wrong? No, 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 no. Let me finish this thought. It's a, they're telling you a well-accomplished Grammy award-winning artist, you're not big enough to perform on our stage by yourself. And you've done world tours, you're well-accomplished, you sold out, et cetera. They're telling us you can't do business unless you bring Rihanna and Kanye. And that's the first time you've had a seat at the table with them to discuss business. I don't interpret him saying no as being spiteful. I interpret him as thinking he has leverage and saying, no, nah, I'm married to Beyonce. They'll be back. I got it. And another... then I go ahead. And then I think you fast forward it to where he is now. And you make, you make a strong point that I never really thought about in this context, but about did he sacrifice Kaepernick to get there? So now he went from negotiating a single concert as an artist to now being in a partnership with one of his businesses, with one of the biggest sports companies in the world. And he has obviously sports agency as well. So he's totally aligned or vertically integrated now with the NFL through this partnership. So it's all business. But then you sprinkle in the social justice stuff, which I'm not going to say he's not totally in it, but to Jamel Hill's question, he could have did it without it. Well, this is the sacrifice I think he made to have a seat at the table because if his end goal is to expand business with the NFL for whatever purpose, whether it's NFL ownership, you know, he has a sports agency, like there's other reasons where it's good business for him to be in with the NFL, you know, attract new, new athletes, expand his agency, et cetera. Then this is the next evolution of of that. And so he is now has a seat at the table and that was opportunity and, and active that's a term and, he, and, and he used and he used active activism as an opportunity to get there. I think and then I think there's truth to that because one of the things I took away from his press conference was 
anytime he was really defensive, and there were a few moments in that press conference he had with Goodell, but he's going to say, I can tell you what I'm doing. I can tell you on what day, how much money I spent, who we helped, et cetera. So I think with this thing at the NFL, they're going, they're going at some point when they release information, they're going to tell you how much money they put out there to what organizations and how that money was spent. That's going to be airtight. He's going to be able to measure and quantify his activism. So then the naysayers are going to be able to say, well, what do you say to that? Right. And I think that, as it unfolds, is probably what he's going to do. He's going to kill people with the data and the reports shows activism. And then he's going to say, if it's about, if it's about helping people at the end of the day, why are we still talking about kneeling? Why are we still talking about cat? And I think to your point too, well, we're talking about it because you think you were disingenuous from the beginning or you were opportunist and that's, and that's just wrong. Right. Simple as that. And, And I got one more point to make. For years, Jay-Z was against going to the Grammys, right? Same way as the NFL. He was against going to the Grammys and supporting that event until he was nominated for Album of the Year. He was right there, front and center. They wanted to play with you. So you obliged. I'm a Jay-Z fan. All I'm saying is the nigga has a pattern, and especially in this instance, he's wrong. The nigga can be wrong. And it bothers me. I, I definitely think, no, I definitely think um, he can be wrong. Um, I don't know about the Grammy thing, because, I mean, I've seen Beyonce at the Grammys over the time. Yeah, he like, wasn't I've there. Seen, uh, he was not there until he was nominated for Album of the Year. I don't know about that part. Um, if if he, um, I mean, and even with the Kaepernick thing, like the timeline shows that, you know, it was a uh, active boycott and he was still going to do it, then I get it. And he, and I definitely think everybody makes mistakes. Um, and if he was wrong, then he was wrong. But I feel like if that, if he was wrong for that situation and, and that's what he did and that was spiteful, then that situation, yes, you were wrong. That doesn't carry on, like you said. You can be wrong. That doesn't mean that everything you do thereafter is also wrong. So if he was wrong for no, that, right. he decided to he decided to get on that bandwagon at that time, and it was opportunist. Okay, let's let's say we we're following that. That's fine. Um, I won't say that. Okay, now everything you're doing now with the NFL is still wrong because you were opportunist in that uh, regard. I feel like with this new venture, um, while we don't know the details. I will say that with his track record, um, of, as of late especially, um, and the things that he has been speaking about, I'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt. That's the term I've been hearing. He gets the benefit of the doubt, and I get it. I'm not saying that he can't do good from this situation, but so far we haven't seen a lot. And honestly, I think that he may have sacrificed Kaepernick. And it wouldn't be a problem if he would have been silent all this time. He's been very boisterous against the NFL and supporting Kaepernick. But as soon as it's time for them to say, hey, we're inviting you over for dinner, things changed very quickly. No different than the Grammys. No different than the Nas situation. 
a lot of other things that we've seen. But real quick, if Hove was to do a Grammy show by himself, give me the top five songs he could perform. I don't know if he could do it. No, he could do it. What's he the performed. top five that everybody knows? Tell me. He could do it easily. Tell me. What, what are the records? So he could definitely do... I named three of them already. What you said, New York. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, man, I'd have to think. I'm trying to think of the set he did for the Obama. I get New York, Hard Knock Life, and Big Pippin. <laughs> he could do he could do H to the Izzo. Hell no. I don't even think he black do... people like that. I didn't ever like H to the Izzo. I thought that shit was whack. That was a pop that was a big pop record for him though. That's what I'm saying. Well, I don't for know if it was. I don't know if it was. Was it? Let me H to the I'm trying Izzo? To think of his... That was our blueprint, right? Yeah, that was the first thing. He could do ninety nine he could he could do ninety nine problems. That's a popular one, right? I don't. I think "Dirt Off Your Shoulders" probably is a bigger record than ninety nine problems. He could do "Dirt Off Your Shoulders." We can add that. That could be number four. Um, I mean, run run this uh, run this town. But okay, features well, that, you talk about without, wait, features. That, without features. That's just that's. Yeah, that's what they wanted. And he said, nigga, we got four. We need to do one more. Can you get those two? Encore. Encore. <laughs> no. No. Yeah. That is not a song not? that the white people Encore? know. That is not a song that the masses are familiar with. You're tripping. I don't believe that it is. Encore? Yeah. I don't think that's a huge song to, to everybody. I don't think that's a world world renowned record. Is there Lincoln Park on that song? Lincoln, isn't Lincoln Park on that record? No, that's John Legend. And again, yeah, you can't do it with you can't do it because that's with John Legend. They don't count. <laughs> can't do it. Either way, we're struggling to find five for the listeners. But maybe we'll put this out there. Give us six Jay Z records he can perform by himself at the Super Bowl. We'll put a post up on Instagram. But I just had to get that out. I, I love Jay-Z. One of my favorite artists, if not my favorite rapper. <sighs> the nigga's wrong. Simple as that. <laughs> but we're going to move on to these damn sixes, man. This is There's no good way to transition into this shit. The sixes are fucking terrible. From what we've seen, especially last night, the night against the, the Heat... They lost three straight as of the time of this recording. What the fuck is going on with the team that most people pick to go to the damn finals and take the Eastern Conference? At least be a top two seed. And then sixth place right now, which is fucking last place in the East. Because seven and eight, they got losing records. Nobody's even concerned with them. They're like 10 games under 500. It's just the fucking East. So they're going to be in the playoffs just because. And you're in sixth. Ben Simmons said last night, we were soft. Change the fucking wording. You are soft. This team is a disaster. 
Jason, you follow basketball. You're in the area. You're not a Sixers fan, but so you're an outsider. It's outsider looking in. What the hell is going on with the damn Sixers? Well, I think there's a couple. I mean, personnel is my number one thing. I was like, someone as somebody who doesn't root for the Sixers, um, when they got rid of Jimmy Butler, well, when they got Jimmy Butler last year, I was, I, I thought that was huge. I, I was a little scared. I'm like, they might be able to do this. They got the the piece that they need. And Jimmy's balling um, right now. Right. So I thought Jimmy getting Jimmy Butler last year was huge. It made them very, very scary. And the thing about it with Jimmy Butler was he was brought in to be a closer. And while he didn't perform at a super high level throughout the season, during the playoffs, when they needed a bucket, he, stepped he up. got the buckets. He stepped up. So he actually did exactly what you needed him to do. Um, he also brought some veteran leadership. And though he might have said things the way so everybody wasn't as receptive at, at all times, he did exactly what you wanted him to do. Secondly, um, you know, they paid a lot of money for J.J. Reddick. And everybody's like, how is J.J. Reddick getting these huge one-year? Well, you needed that team specifically needed that player. You know what I'm saying? They needed somebody yeah. to do exactly what he did yeah. um, to just be able to turn it on and turn it off at, at the drop of a dime and just understand his role, exactly what it was. They needed that. Um, so the personnel has changed completely. Tobias Harris, I mean, <laughs> he is not – they they basically thought they were going to get Jimmy Butler and JJ Redick with one player who was um, oh that was foolish that was foolish for them to think I think he was the younger of everybody so they thought that he could still improve but right or wrong right, but, well, always, let, but, but yeah. the thing about it is that their time was right now let me ask so you this though you, a player can peak early right a player can reach his potential at 26, 27 years old right he, sometimes you're not going to sure. get no better than that and I think for he's sure. at his peak. They were betting that he was going to continue to improve, and then they're losing that bet. Well, I still think that there's room for him to improve. I won't say that he, he's peaked already. I think that with this team and his role there, it might be that this is the peak with this team, maybe. Um, that doesn't mean that if his role changed or if the personnel changed, that he can't still you know, grow and be a better player. Um, but I do think that right now, the personnel is the, is the major deal. And I know everybody kind of looks at Brett Brown and my and my. Hold on, my hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Stop there, stop there. We're gonna get to Brett. We're gonna get to Brett. Dante, as a fan who does like the Sixers, do you agree with Jason, or are you looking at it from a different view? Yeah, I agree with him until he's about to start caping for Brett Brown. But, um, <laughs> but, 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 but nah, I think to, everything y'all said about Jimmy Butler, true. Um, I, I think we also, we struggle, like our bench is terrible. Um, and I think we've, we've because struggled. Because we, 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 we're paying, not to cut you off, we're paying the two guys <clears throat> that everybody thinks we should get rid of that we shouldn't have paid which is Horford and Tobias Harris. They're taking up over $65 million just this year, the two of them. So they decided to be top-heavy with with no bench. If you look at the salaries, you got like $30 million, $28 million, $27 million, and then you get to the bench, it's like $1 million, $1 million, $1 million. Extremely top-heavy. We're a team with big tits and no ass. 
top heavy as a motherfucker. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I think it's ridiculous. But I, everything, everything you said is accurate, and we've never really recovered from the loss of Bell and Ellie and Elliot Sober. And I think compounded with that, like the style of play is heavy on ball screens and three-point shooting. And the team performed a lot better when you had guys like J.J. Bellinelli, Elliot Sova, those guys taking threes are a lot, are a lot better um, than guys that aren't accustomed to taking these kind of shots like you have now where you have Al Horford who we're paying all this money to last few games he's barely getting 10 he's not even getting like 10 and, points and I game. heard something today where they said Al Horford has never played nothing more than a five throughout his whole career including college Al Horford has always been a five so we've got him playing a four out of position and as they brought him in as if they thought he would be a stretch four just because he can knock down an open shot. That don't mean you're a stretch four. Well, I had no idea why they wanted him. Me, me either. I, I had no clue. Um, I could see if they got him for a discount because he does bring veteran, you know, he's been out there. He can shoot it. But when you are paying that type of money. For a 33-year-old for, player. For and to be a shooter, not even for him to be a to player, do what he does. He didn't even bring him in to do what he's done his whole career. He brought him in to do something right. else at thirty three. I mean, he's he shot the ball well throughout his career, but for all of that, I would have definitely invested in the JJ Redick or uh, um, you know some type of sniper. Just that, think that what you could have done with that twenty eight million. How you could have spread yeah, that out to build out the bench. Now, Al Hofer probably got the call from his agent like, what? They said they're going to do what? They're going to pay me how much? Oh, hell yeah, nigga. We out. <laughs> I'm taking that. Well, the that. thing is, that deal, that deal seemed like it was done before free agency. It was. Like, it was, they they were, they had their heart set on that for whatever reason. I don't, I don't understand it at all, um, but I'm glad they did it because they're not getting back to, they're not getting to a chip. So. <laughs> Fuck you, nigga. <laughs> I'm, glad, I'm glad the Knicks have done all the shit that they've done. And they fucking stink, and they always will. But we already know that, so we don't have to invest any time in this. <laughs> but let's let's take a few steps back here, and we're going to get to Coach Brett Brown in a moment. But I just want to go over a quick overview of how we got here. A few years ago, we were trusting the process. Sam Hankey. The city bought into trust in the process, did it not, Dante? We were fine with yeah. it. Yeah, for sure. We don't want to be the Sacramento Kings for 15 plus years. We don't want to be the, the, the Washington Wizards for 20 plus years. Middle of the road had never been a threat. We were fine with it. You know who wasn't fine with it? The fucking NBA, because we told everybody what we were doing. Maybe that was the only mistake Sam Hankey made, is telling everybody what we're doing. Boston did it before they got Ray Allen and, and, and KG. They were terrible. Paul Pierce was faking injuries just so they could lose a bunch of games, hoping they got the number one pick, which they didn't. And then they made those great trades to bring in 
KG and Ray Allen. We weren't the first to try this. We're the only ones to tell everybody exactly what we were doing. So what happened was NBA stepped in. Anytime the NBA steps in is a problem. Rest in peace to the late, great Kobe Bryant. We love you. Listen to our previous episode, tribute to Kobe Bryant. But when they stepped in and blocked Chris Paul from going to the Lakers, they denied Kobe of his sixth ring. They should have never done that shit. They had control of the New Orleans Hornets at the time. So it was a little bit more acceptable, but they should have never blocked Chris Paul from going to the Lakers. If y'all recall, because the NBA was perturbed at the Sixers for saying that they were tanking, Adam Silver stepped in and forced Josh Harris to bring in the Colangelos and get rid of Sam Hinkie, which ended our process. And then we saw all the nut-ass shit that the Colangelos started to do. Should have never stepped in and interrupted what our team plan was. The city had accepted it. Fuck everybody else. So if we get out on the court, it wasn't like we weren't trying to win the game. The coach was trying to coach the players that he had to win the game. They just weren't that good. That was our strategy to at some point have elite cornerstones of the team where we can be a legitimate contender. And when Adam Silver stepped in and forced Josh Harris to hire someone, threw the whole thing off. Hinky had a plan. It was going to be on wingspan. You had to be a certain height and long. It was going to be based on defense. And he was going to draft players and coach them up. Which I think Brett Brown was kind of doing a good job of that. Robert Covington was in, the, was in the G League. Ended up being a really good player. We had Dario Sarge, who we got through the draft, who wasn't a superstar, but he was a good piece. And let me ask y'all this real quick. Was the Jimmy Butler trade worth it? Sarge and Covington were very good pieces to be around in Embiid and Simmons. And now we don't have that. The whole shit is turned upside down. Well, I mean, if you look at the Jimmy Butler trade from the lens of he lost to Kawhi Leonard when the ball bounced on the run four times and they won the chip, then that means the championship was right there. And you had a team that seemed like it was good enough to get there. So in that regard, I guess so. Now on the flip side of that, Robert Covington is uh, one of the hottest commodities in the trade market right now. He um, is. So he is. Obviously, he's a 3 and D guy who is – <laughs> he would be a, a really good piece. Um, so, I mean, that, that was tough to deal with because if you have an opportunity to win a championship, you want to get it while you can. And I feel like they they had that opportunity last year. Came up short. I mean, was that an overtime game? I'm not sure if it was overtime or not, but it was definitely, I mean, last to last second. Kawhi Leonard, ball bouncing around four times, and they just, it just didn't go their way. But, um it's, that's, that's a tough one that you have to deal with. But I'm not, I'm not mad at You're that. You're right. I think, I think last year the Sixers felt they had to go for it, and honestly that was the year to go for it. Because if we get past Toronto, we've always matched up well against Milwaukee. I think we win that, and then with the injuries going state face, you know, that was the year to go for it. The window yeah. is now closed. Yeah. I mean... Again, Adam Silver stepped in. We got the Colangelo's, and I think that disrupted a lot of things that we were trying to do. 
the trade for Jimmy Butler kind of backfired, so they felt they had to pay Tobias Harris because we gave up some other good pieces, such as Landry Shamet and um, a few other guys, some draft picks. So what Hinky was doing was stockpiling draft picks as well, so we had tons of assets to wheel and deal. Now we don't have shit in the cupboard. Well, there was also like some guys out there that they were trying to get uh, Kawhi Leonard and LeBron James. Oh, that wasn't Martin. realistic. Which, that wasn't I mean, going to happen. I, I can't say that's not realistic when you have superstars on your team and you have the money in a major city. It's not like completely out of the realm of possibility. So I get it. Um, but it, it didn't happen. So, yes, yeah, I fail. So, where do we I go? Think, where do we go ahead? Uh, sorry, you were wrapping up the Colangelo thing. I would just say the only other thing to add on that is. Uh, Poor drafting that happened from that too, uh, with the whole whole Fultz thing. Basically, was a waste of a season of tanking by you know trading with Boston to move from one to three, giving up a first round pick the next year, and basically you know getting a player that didn't work out too. So that I think that's a huge setback that's going to hurt the team. But not but not only that, Dante, that was terrible. But in 2016, we had three first round picks. That's the year we took Ben Simmons. But we also had the 24th and 26th pick. Probably could have packaged those up somehow to move up. Something of some sort. But the guys that stick out that were in that vicinity, Malik Beasley was at 19. Maybe you package those up, move up. Get somebody like him. Karis LeVert went 20. Maybe you move up to try to get a guy like that. Um, Brogdon ended up going into the second round, early second round. Would be quite nice to have a player like him. But you know the one that is the kicker, 2016. Pascal Siakam went 27th. And you know Corky's my man. You know Corky's my man. Corky went 26th. <laughs> Siakam went 27. Jesus oh, that's Christ. nasty. I, didn't, I forgot about that. <laughs> Again, not I mean, being able to evaluate talent. We got, a, we, got a first round, we got a first round pick that can't get out the G League. And Zaire Smith, man. It's bad. And they were, there's teams that were interested in him, and he fucking messes his ankle up, and they can't even showcase him to try to trade him. So where do we go from here? What do the Sixers do from here? Trade deadline is coming Who's up. The kid, who's the kid that they traded for, Mikel Bridges? They drafted Mikel Bridges from Villanova. That was, that was, it was Iron Smith. Smith. <laughs> it was Iron <laughs> Smith. That shit is crazy, man. Oh, oh my goodness. Mm. I like the kid uh, though. I think he has promise. He may be somebody you got to trade just to try to improve. But we're seeing Elton Brand do these desperation moves where the team doesn't even have time to build any real chemistry. You know, Milwaukee has done a good job of kind of keeping the consistent. A uh, group of guys around Giannis so they can build some chemistry, and you see that even better than they were last year. Sixers have not showed any kind of uh, progression. Like we don't see a good upward trajectory <laughs> with the Sixers. If we look at two years ago, they won fifty games, fifty-one games. Last year, they won fifty. This year, they're on pace to win like forty-eight, forty-nine. Maybe they get to fifty. That's a flat line. We're not seeing any progress. 
So, Jason, you were talking about Brett Brown, and I'm talking about now we're, we, we are where we are. This is a team that eats junk food on the road, and they have one of the worst records on the road. Let me ask you that real quick. Do you, if you eat Popeyes and Chick-fil-A on every team trip and play like shit on the road, is it not up to the coach to step in and say, we're not eating this trash? I was coaching kids at AAU, and I would tell them what they could eat in the morning and what they couldn't eat. These guys are eating junk food. Top flight athletes. Does that not have an effect on the performance? I mean, well, this shit sure is disgusting. Get, I'm sure they get that advice, that, but you can't tell Joel Embiid what he can and cannot eat. You can't? So that's a problem. Then that's a problem to begin with. I can say on the team plane, we are not allowing this. Can I not say that as the coach and this is my program? I don't give a a fuck what you eat. No, no, no. It is still a program. I can say on this team plane, which I'm in charge of this team, we are not eating Popeyes and Chick-fil-A. You're telling me I can't say that. You can say it, and I'm sure those guys are going to talk to their friends around the league and say, don't fucking come here because this fucking asshole is talking about what we're eating. But that's because they didn't have no respect for yeah. him. Popovich says that. You think anybody's going to say that? Hell no. I, I think, I think what, you, what, you, what you're highlighting, though, is a flaw possibly in the organization. I mean, the other, the, the other thing that is a little disturbing to me is they haven't been playing. They've been playing like shit lately. And the game before they play in Miami, they're sitting in the box with Michael Rubin having a good time at the Super Bowl, like I don't know. I mean, yeah, it, but it, keep that... in and keep in mind the Super Bowl was in Miami. I mean, that may be a little bit of overreaction, maybe just nah. a little bit. Nah, <laughs> that wouldn't happen. That that wouldn't happen with the Spurs. To your point, that wouldn't happen with and any other team. Neither would the Popeyes chicken sandwiches and the biscuits. If it's a winning, if it's a winning culture, you don't even have ownership that close to team players like that. I don't know. That shit is all weird to me. That is, but, yeah, but, you, you have a point but, but, there, just the relationship and there. The, and the only point I was really making on that is you can't, I mean, Brett Brown can tell these guys what the hell they can eat, but what what does it matter The players have relationships? Because you're setting a standard. You're setting level, a standard. If the guys are going to do what they're going to do off of the team environment, the plane and the travel, whatever, but when you, we're together and we're eating as a team, this is not going to be allowed. I don't see why that can't be respected. And you see the huge difference from when they play at home and when they play on the road. What you put in your body has a lot to do with your performance, does it not? Does it not, Coach? Sure. It does, um, but I mean, I think if you look across the league, you'll see a bunch of teams who don't perform as well at home as they do on the road. So, I mean, of course, their diet would help. Um, I'm not sure. I don't know what if they're eating just Popeyes and Chick Fil A. Is that we've seen it? We've that's... seen it many a times, and we've heard it. We've heard Joel Embiid. What did we hear, Dante? It was four chicken sandwiches, like two milkshakes, some crazy shit. Yeah, some wild McDonald's diet or some he, shit he was talking he was about. Chick-fil-A. And then we saw them on a plane yeah. with the Popeyes, and they had Matisse ordering all the food, and they were mad because he only got six biscuits. 
It's just disgusting. Right, so, I mean, if it, was, if, if it was that big of an issue, then someone along the line, I mean, Elton Brand is the GM. He could easily authorize that. Yeah, step in. You know, Somebody got to step in. Somebody's got to apply. Right. So, to me, what it says to me is that they're not a disciplined group of guys. They're simple as that. And where does that come from? It comes from the top, right or wrong. Now, you mentioned Elton Brand. Yes, he's a part of it. But I think that the, the respect for Brett Brown is is dissipated to where it doesn't even exist. They do not well, I respect at, Brett Brown. I would, look at, I would look at player development. So, I mean, I see Ben Simmons, and I think he's a great player. Obviously, he's really, really good player. But... You know, his lack of ability to, or lack of willingness to even shoot wide open shots at this stage. It's, it's in never, career. I've never seen it before. This is a first for me. Yeah. I mean, like, Rajon wow. Rondo's, Rondo's not a shooter. He'll still shoot He'll the take ball. Over. Eric Snow wasn't a shooter. But right. if you left him open at the elbow, he's going to take it. So that at some point, if he's hot that night, he got to respect it. I've never seen it. Right, so how do you like blame this. Brett Brown for something like that? Oh, you said the player development. And Brett Brown is a part of that with the coaches that he surrounds himself around, right or wrong. Right? Well, we see it. We see, we see Ben Simmons working on the shot the whole offseason. We see him. These highlights of him shooting it. He's still... We don't need to, to see those shot. no more. We don't need to see but any that, more clips he, like that. Because Brett Brown came out and said that he shoot. failed. Brett Brown said he came out and said, they asked him a couple of weeks ago about it, I thought you wanted Ben to take 1-3 a game. He's now conceding that he failed. What does that say as the leader? What type of message is that? Oh, I got over on this nigga. I ain't got to take no damn shots. Fuck him. I don't feel comfortable. I ain't going to do it. No, nigga. I told you to take one a game. That's right, what I, I mean, told you coach, to do. Right. As a coach, of course the coach is going to. Yeah. The, <laughs> the coach is always ultimately going to take responsibility for it. What is he supposed to do? Throw a player under the bus? At some point, at this point, yes. They said the thing that Popovich is great at is calling you out in front of everybody. That that inspires you to want to do more. But you have to have accomplished some things that I mentioned before. Kyrie wants to be Kobe without really having that accomplishment where people are going to follow that shit. You have to have that respect. You have to establish that level of respect first. And I don't know what Brett Brown has to do. Maybe he's going to have to do that with another team. But I think he's lost this group. That's a great point because you just said that Popovich, he, he's master calling people out. So last year or the, you know, a couple of years ago, it's reported that he basically encouraged like Tony Parker to call out Kawhi about his injury, saying that he had the same injury. And are you with us? Or are you not with us? And you see what I got him. That franchise is like well, right and, now. They, they don't know what the hell. Kawhi is a different specimen. I think we can all agree there. Um, well, clearly he's clearly he's, clearly he's clearly he's a little bit more. No more. Clearly he's a sensitive guy, you know. Well, these kids are these younger guys are a little. They're not Tim Duncan anymore. You can't just treat them like that. So it, he did it. He he's the master at it, and he lost the best player in the league. And that guy went on to win the I can't I can't refute that. You might be right there, um, but I don't think Popovich is going to change his approach. And it's going to be a ton of group of guys that are going to respect him for who he is. And we're losing ourselves Maybe. if a coach can no longer coach, man. We're going down the slippery slope. We're going down the dark path. 
if a coach can no longer coach, that's part of the motivation that a coach can provide. There's different tactics. We all know. And if we lose a tactic like that, you lose you lose a lot. And at the end of the I day, think, go ahead. My fault. Go ahead, Tuz. No, I was ahead. just going to say, I think every everything you said about the coach is valid for other reasons. I just think this Ben Simmons thing is so like fucking unique, man. Like you got a dude that refuses to shoot. And as a coach, like I'm pretty sure he's talking to him behind the scenes. I'm I'm pretty confident they've had these conversations. I'm pretty sure it was a conversation before he went public about shooting a three a game. But this guy just well, won't well he, he, he won't said shoot that the ball. He said that out. If, if Brent if Brent Brown said that he wanted to shoot a three a game. That is calling him out. That's telling everybody, listen, this is what I told him to that's do. That's true. And that's what I expect. So that's of just him. a that lack is... of respect then, right? At that point, it's just a lack, lack of respect. You're it's right. Lack I of think he won't shoot them all. Kawhi if Popovich told him that, he's going to hold him accountable. Am I, again, if the guys like Popovich, the problem with the NBA is they've given so much power to the players that if a coach doesn't do well after 30 games and he gets fired. I do give the Sixers some respect for trying to uh, hold true to Brett Brown, but time is up at this point. Time is up. Popovich had the best power forward of all time for a very, very long time. But I'm saying Popovich is a few and far in between. Yeah, Popovich is an anomaly today. But I think uh, Spolstra gets that respect with his organization. I think they hold true to him. Um I don't know how many. I don't know how many other guys really have that leeway. I mean, Nick Nurse has won a championship, but we don't know, you know, how far his leash is if the players start to turn against him. Which, you know, I don't see that happening no time soon. But there's not a lot of coaches out there that have a long leash. You know, what I mean, if LeBron starts complaining about, um, whatever the fuck his name is, we don't even know his name. I know his assistant coach more than him, and he's out of there. <laughs> Frank Vogel. <laughs> Frank Vogel. <laughs> exactly. We saw what happened to Luke Walton last year. I mean, it's, it's a player's league. If no other league is a player league, NBA is a fucking player's league. And that's where we're at today. And I think that Brett Brown has had more than enough time. But let's talk about where we are today. For the expectations that the Sixers had, they're going to need a jolt to come from somewhere. And can y'all think of any move that's going to make sense? That's going to give them that jolt to try to realize those expectations. Outside of firing the coach. Like I said this to Dante the other day. I don't see them firing the coach and bringing to Mark Jackson. You don't do that mid, mid-season. Philosophies and everything is different. It's, too, it's not enough time to have that translate. Unless they have a good young assistant coach that they feel the players really galvanize around. I don't know if you can fire the coach at this point in the season, but what kind of moves can they make? I agree with you. He can't keep losing by 30 though to, to the heat. So what can you do? But what can you do? Because if you can't do that, you have no assets to trade. Realistically, I've been saying that for a long time. I don't. I don't know what Marley Croft is trying to do. I have. I have a hard time believing nobody's reached out. 
I mean, he hasn't officially retired, but I, I don't I, I, I don't know what his intentions are. So, I mean, if, if it takes uh, Jamal Crawford, who's been sitting at home for the past six months, I don't think that tips the needle for the Sixers. Maybe another team. I think if anybody can hop up off this couch and come get a couple buckets, it'd be Jamal Crawford. At 40 years old? Couple, maybe 10 games, something like that. You know what I mean? I mean, but you're going to have to sacrifice a lot because obviously he has his own style. Yeah, I was big on Molly Croft, but I don't know at this point in the season if it moves the needle. Shit. You got to trade. Like, there's no. There's no, the spark is vague, right? It's, there's nothing but off the, nobody off the street that can transform them to be a contender at this point. The chemistry is wrong with the core players that they have. I think they got to seriously figure out a way to trade Al Horford. I just don't know what the market is for him. For a 33-year-old making $30 million. A few things right. I've heard. I, I think. Real quick, a few things I've heard Jason, me and Dante spoke about is what do you think? I've heard rumors that a Horford for a C.J. McCollum trade is, has been discussed. Does that move the needle for the Sixers? 100%, but nobody's doing that. Why would they come up and make that? Rumor has it they believe that backcourt is peaked and they're decimated on their front line. They don't want Al Horford. I could see if he was a one-year deal type of guy and you were trying to get rid of some money, but you're going to take him for the next three years? Are you crazy? That's not happening. Next move. What, else you got? <laughs> what, what about, what y'all think about, would you, would you take Gallinari? If they were to figure out a I've way heard to do Gallinari. Gallinari? I've heard about yes, Gallinari. Yes, that would be good. That'd be, that'd be good. I don't know if it pisses the needle. But that'd be a good move. I've heard Covington trying to make a return. The problem is, it's, it's too many years on on the Horford contract. Like like Jason said, if it was one year left, that's a great expiring contract. People would take. I don't. If if Horford is involved, maybe somebody like and I've always said this, OKC because they have a bad contract with. Um, CP3 and he wants to be on a more of a contending team that is a hell of a move that you could potentially make because it's kind of swapping bad contract for bad contract and then maybe the Sixers don't want a young player like uh, Matisse or Zaire Smith if people actually still like him or, or maybe they've been showcasing Shake Milton which is why he's gotten a lot of minutes over the past few weeks uh, so maybe you throw in a guy like that with they think they'd be interested in a package. Um, Horford for CP3. Y'all think that works? With some other things wrapped into that. I don't think it works. I mean, I think that now you, you change the dynamic of Ben Simmons. And that has to be changed, you, though. That has to be changed. Not necessarily. I mean, you can get J.J. Reddicks and different players around that we've seen it work. So I don't know that that has to be changed. See, I think long-term you probably do, but, you know, for the rest of this, the duration of this season, yeah, maybe 
you can't change that structure altogether. But I don't think Ben Simmons has any business being on the perimeter. And the fact that you brought in Al Horford, now you're paying him a shit ton of money. You can't put Ben Simmons at the four. And I know, Dante, you and Ron had something to say about Ben Simmons' postgame. It might not be the best. But I think Tim Duncan made a career out of facing up. Ben Simmons can easily face up and have the defender at bay and have a lot of different tools at his disposal. He's really good around the basket. I think Ben so Simmons would, ultimately should be at the four. But with Horford so there making would, that you, money. Uh-huh. So you would want to take away one of the best transition players in the game for his ability to get up and down the court, see the floor, distribute the ball. At the four, the he can't still run the court? I mean, if you have a guy that can grab a rebound and, and push the transition, then you do it. You don't take that away. I don't see why he can't still do that. Even so in, the, in the half court. In the half wants, court, yeah. If he's in the half court. Him? If he's in the half court, then now he's at the four. And if you want to try to run him out of the high post or whatever, but if you got a CP3, you have a lot more options. You know what I mean? You can run a pick and roll with him and Embiid. I mean, you just have a lot more at your disposal. I'm, Brett Brown the other day said something about pick and roll with Simmons and, Mil- and, and Shake Milton. And I'm like, what? Well, you think that that's ideal? That yeah, if OKC would be willing to make that deal, then, I mean, I would take it up on the Sixers, of course, because I see no benefit in having Horford out there, to be honest. At all. So that's how we're going to end this. Tell me where you think the Sixers are going to end up if they stand still or if they make the move that you think will propel them to make a run. Let's start with you, Dante. All right, so, you know, I don't know. So every every trade I've thought about, well, I would just say they got to figure out a way to move Al Horford for all the reasons we talked about. The players that would interest me, and I don't know if this is even possible, we talked about Gallinari. Um, I like Bogdanovich, but I don't think the Jazz are probably going to move him. Um, we talked about J.J. Redick. Um, you know, the Knicks are rumored <clears throat> to want to move Marcus Morris. I had talked about him. I think one of our podcasts maybe last season. I've always liked his game. I think he would be a great fit to come back to Philly, but I don't know if that's possible. Um, and then, but I think what they'll probably end up doing is some smaller deal. Probably, I could see maybe like Jordan Clarkson, somebody like that. I don't know, Kevin Love. They got to figure out a way to move out Orford. So I think if they can get one of those pieces, I, I want to, I was pissed off last night we was texted, but I think I got to remember Josh Richardson is hurt and it did seem to play reasonably maybe, well. Maybe he's making more of a difference than we thought, right? Yeah. 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 That's what somebody reminded me about, but, and I don't know how he became that critical of a player. He's a decent player, but anyway, I think when he comes back, I think that's going to make a difference. Um, I, I think they're going to end up, uh, probably as I think they're going to probably go past in- Indiana at some point, and I think they probably will. So make this a is run. this is if they uh, if they stay in pack. You think that they still the, will be able to move up and pass Indiana or whoever else? If they don't make a move, yeah, where do you see them positioning themselves? I, I, the way things are going, they, they, the best the best that they could do is get past the first round. 
but I don't see them getting past I don't, the second. I, round. I don't see how they can get past the first round of it. I don't see them moving up if they don't make a move. They're gonna probably stay at six, and they got to play Boston or Miami first round. I don't think. I don't think, I think we beat they beat either move, team. Yeah, yeah. I think I, I was assuming that they'll get past Indiana because they only like a game apart from Indiana or whatever it is. But but yeah, if they end up playing like Boston at a three seed right now, the way Boston is configured, that's it, it could be a problem. The way they're shaking up, where they're shaking up though, they're going to either play Boston. Or Miami at at three versus six or four versus five. I think Toronto's going to continue to thrive and they're going to stay at that two spot. So if the Sixers stay at six or even if they move to five, they're still setting themselves up to play Boston or Miami. You I don't want, see we you beat. want Boston. You want Boston over Miami out of that matchup. Um, we Miami owns the Sixers right now, um, but Boston. Um, it was. It would have been a season sweep if they would have got it done the other night. I I had to remember that, but that that would probably be a better matchup. But nah, I mean it. It would be tough. I think they gotta they gotta make a move. And they that, if, if they had to make one move for you, what would it be? Best case scenario. <laughs> Improve the four position with somebody that could extend the perimeter and get a three-point shooter. So I would say Gallinari is the guy I like um, okay. probably for them, to, for them to bring if I had to pick out of out of. And are you yeah, saying any, that Horford is involved in a deal like that? Or are you willing to give a, a – from what I know, the Sixers aren't able to trade a first-round pick based on how the rules are set since they've traded so many in the past. This year they aren't able to trade a first-round pick. So yeah, I would hope. I would hope um, they don't include any young. Any, I want them to keep. Don't don't trade any young players or any future draft assets. Just because I mean we've struggled so much with um, in the draft with getting quality talent, and you don't want to have an aging roster that just becomes. So you're saying if a it's mess. A, you're saying if it's Gallinari for Horford and. Say Zaire uh, Smith, you're with that. Yeah, I think they're going to have to move uh, uh, Neto or Trey Burke at some point too. So they'll probably throw somebody like that in it. It's not sustainable having both of them and, and the, the topics that the coach has to face okay. is why do you keep playing one over the other? I think at some point you just got to choose one, one backup mm-hmm. point guard and somebody will take them. So you're going with Bringing in someone to stretch the floor at the four position, Gallinari's ideal. I can get with that. Yeah. Jason, yeah. what are your thoughts? I mean, I think you got to get rid of Horford by any means necessary. Um, maybe that's part of the reason why they picked him up because he's a veteran and he can add value to a team that's like on the cusp of winning. But if they don't get rid of him, I see them um, with a likely first-round exit, to be honest with you. I mean, I just don't see it. Um, But really looking at the standings, to be honest, I feel like they're going to move up. Joel Embiid is still a big-time player who is ideal for him to get rolling. Are you you going with the lazy tag of Joel Embiid? He's gotten the tag of being lazy. 
Are you? No, I go. I'm going with the the tag of. I remember Shaq used to work himself into shape, so Shaq was never Shaq early. He was Shaq later. So I'm I'm hoping that Embiid is on that plan and he's going to get better as the season goes on because it makes mm-hmm. no sense for him to be at his best in November and December. So I'm thinking that Embiid's going to get better. I see the Sixers ending at a four seed. Um, yeah, I see them ending with the, maybe about the four seed, um, possibly even the three, but more, most likely a four seed, and um, losing to the Bucks in the second round. Mm. Um, and, and that's kind of either way it goes. I, unless they made a huge splash on free agency, which I just don't see. What um, type of deal was, would you see moving the needle? Somewhat realistically. Um, I mean, I think is it a stretch four call. situation or is it uh, no, bringing no, in the true facilitator at, at, at the, on the perimeter shooting? Um, I think you just need another player who can shoot the ball um, and doesn't kind of take up space. I feel like Horford um, and Embiid don't really complement each other. So At all. Um, at all. Not at all. It's just it's just that dynamic. Just because Horford is an older guy, um, it just it, I actually I mean <laughs> I think he makes him Embiid shooting at threes. So I don't I don't know. It's just a weird dynamic between them. But just looking at the standings, I feel like they can definitely pass the Pacers and even catch the Heat because I feel like the Heat won't sustain that for the second half of the year. They'll, they'll come back to the pack a little bit. Um, and Embiid is still. The second best player in the East, um, mm. so I, I think they'll make a run. And they got, you know, they got um, Ben Simmons. Um, I think they'll end up a three or four seed um, if they can somehow get to a three seed and play the Raptors. Then I actually like their chances there. That, I mean, that would be ideal for for six. So, so realistically, um, neither one of you are with. Because we've been hearing the chirps of trading Embiid or Simmons. You're not with no, that no taking place right now. No way. I don't know what who who's going to give up their superstar to take Ben Simmons. You'd have to get a superstar back. But there's been talks of D'Angelo Russell. They really seem to want to get or move D'Angelo Russell over in Golden State. I wouldn't do that if I was the Sixers. No way. Not I, I, would, I, would, I would consider it. I would consider okay. it. And 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 neither one of you are with moving the coach midseason. No, no, not at all. I mean, at this point, you know, you um, like I said, you know, there's no need to panic. Uh, well, there's panic because of the personnel. But you got to remember, like this this team was in the mix. They were they were right there last year. Um, totally different team now. And that's totally what we, that's what we've been getting year over year. There's a lot of different teams from Elton Brand's construction. True, true, true. I mean, I, I don't know. I want, I'm curious to see what happens in the trade deadline. I don't know what they can get because Horford seems like a bad deal to have. Um, so I'm thinking that they're going to just kind of stay pat, maybe a small move here or there. Um, but I still see them climbing the standings, getting to a three or four seed. Um, and if they're at the four seed, they're, they're out in the second round to the Bucks. And if they are at three seed, and I actually like them to be able to advance past the Raptors. I don't think that they can beat the Celtics or the Bucks in a series. I think they can beat everybody else in the East. Uh, to Dante's point, we 
we've beaten the Celtics 3-1 on a year, and we're kind of built to beat the Bucks. You saw what happened Christmas Day. Like, I think the way the Sixers constructed themselves is to beat the Bucks. And I think you might have mentioned this, Jason, in the past. The way teams clogged the lane, and Dante, you might have mentioned this too, against Giannis last year in the playoffs, we saw that he then became very limited. Has he progressed yeah. himself to be able to counteract the defense? That remains to be seen. But I think the Sixers constructing themselves with a Horford, with an Embiid side-by-side, the thinking was we want to build our team around being able to beat Milwaukee. So I think we face Milwaukee, we can possibly win that matchup at some point in a playoff series, but I think Brett Brown has lost the team. I don't believe that they respect him. Rumor has it Jimmy Butler left because he had conversations and where they said that they were going to retain Brett Brown. I think we saw from body language and different things last season where Jimmy wasn't a fan of Brett Brown as a coach. Um, He had said earlier this year that he's going to at some point tell why he left the Sixers, but now wasn't the time. I think a lot of people thought that had a lot to do with Embiid or Simmons and I'm starting to believe that it had more to do with Brett Brown. We've seen Brett Brown seem lost in the playoffs. We've seen him be outcoached in the playoffs. I, I think the time is up, and I also don't believe that they're going to make a splash at the trade deadline, which is just a day or so away. And if they aren't able to make a move, I think the All-Star week is a good time. Because I don't see the Sixers improving. I think they're going to continue to to spiral. I think that's a good time to make some sort of coaching change. I think that there has to be somebody on the staff, some young guy. It's not going to be, uh, what's his name? Um, Jimmy Jimmy O? <laughs> it's, not gonna be, Jimmy o in there? it's not going to be Jimmy O. We've seen that movie before. It's not going to be him. It's got to be a young guy. The guys kind of galvanize around and respect and they say, all right, let's 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 try to make this transition similar to what the Cavaliers did with Ty Lue. Now, I don't think or know if we have a Ty Lue on the staff. But if you do, maybe that gives the team a jolt. And they enjoy playing for that particular guy. If you can pull off a trade for CP3, awesome. I don't realistically see that happening. But it's clear to me the team has no structure, has no discipline, and they don't respect the coach. You're going to have to do something if you truly believe you have somewhat of a window still open. You're going to have to do something. And I don't see a a deal being made because the Sixers don't have any assets. Unless somebody's willing to take on that Horford contract. I think the move that they need to make is firing Brett Brown. That's my opinion. Because we can't continue to make these deals midseason as we did with Jimmy Butler, as we did with Tobias Harris, as we did bring in Ilya Sova. You can't continue to blame and point the finger at everybody else when there's been one common denominator. 
and that's Brett Brown. So we'll see. So we will see. And we only got a couple days to figure it out. So either they don't know, don't show, or don't care about what's going on in the huddle. We'll see y'all next time. Rest in peace, Kobe. We're still dealing with it, baby. Peace. Peace.